Welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith. This podcast features edited highlights from our Zoom service held on Sunday, July the 25th, 2021. Due to holidays, this week's podcast is more abridged than usual with just the reflection and intercessions from our rector, Ian. To find out how to join us online or in person, and for more general information, please go to stjamesleith.org.uk. Loving God, we thank you for all your gifts and your grace. We pray that you would open our hearts and minds to understand the depth of your love and grace and our self-worth. That you are capable and we are capable of doing things that we could never imagine. So this morning, enlarge our minds and our hearts to your abundance. Amen. I'd like to just echo Rosie's words. It's lovely to have uh, so many people in church. It feels quite full after uh, weeks of uh, just having a few people. And it's lovely to have you uh, at home as well and joining us and and, um, us able to have people at home and here together. So the theme of today uh, is abundance and uh, two weeks ago, uh, you might not have heard it, but I preached about two different feasts, one representing, uh, both representing two very different uh, parts of society and visions of society. And one was Are we all right? I think we're all right. Can can everyone hear me at home? It's okay, sorry. We just uh um, so a couple of weeks um uh, ago I talked about these two feasts. One was Herod's feast which represented really a bloated, incestuous, fearful and corrupt world where a small self-serving elite are fed to excess and compared that to the Feast of David and today's story of the feeding of the 5,000, which represents a simpler, more joyous feast where all are welcome, all have enough and where community is built. And I want to, this morning, look at two worldviews, which I think underlie these two different visions of our world. And there are two worldviews that are evident in our readings. The first worldview, which underpins, I think, Herod's feast, is the worldview of scarcity. And in our passage, um, is understandably, I think, displayed by Philip and the disciples when they say, there are only five barley loaves and two fishes. What good are these? among so many. And the scarcity worldview believes that there is never enough to go around. 
And therefore, we need to look after ourselves and protect what we have. And I think it consciously and subconsciously drives us into competition with one another. So we develop a culture of accumulation, acquisition, and sometimes stinginess. It drives us to enlarge our network at the expense of discovering and deepening our self-worth. And the thinking goes, if there's not enough to go around and not enough for everyone, then taking care of yourself and your own, even at others' expense, seems unfortunate, but unavoidable and somehow valid. And ironically, this worldview of scarcity often leads to scarcity. I think of panic buying in supermarkets uh, when snow is forecast, or even Brexit came, everyone flocks to the supermarket, buys stocks, all their stuff, and sure enough, there is a shortage. But I also think it's a, a worldview that politicians use, certainly to justify draconian immigration laws, that there's not enough. If people come into our country, there will not be enough. And again, that's created shortages in our National Health Service, uh, agricultural labourers, and, and other ways. But this, I think, is by and large the culture that we live in. It's the air we breathe. And it's very hard not to let it dominate our lives. However, I think it comes with a cost. It not only brings anxiety and fear, but keeps our vision small and makes us risk alert averse and less generous. It distracts us from living more mindfully and richly with what we have. I, you might not remember, but way back in the day, there was a, a quite a sort of iconic book written by Stephen Covey called The Seven Habits of Successful People. It was, uh, it was a big kind of book that all the management people were using. And one of the things that he said was that these people that had been very successful had a worldview of abundance, not scarcity. And in our reading of the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus challenges this worldview of scarcity by replacing it with a worldview of abundance. Here there is a belief that there is enough for everybody and a willingness to share. So that not only does everyone have enough, but there is food left over. And a recent research study at McGill University in Minnesota a few years ago said that the world grows enough food to feed one and a half times the world population and enough to feed 10 billion people, which was the projected world population in uh, 2050. So the problem is not enough, of, uh, is not quantity, but one of the inequality distribution and lack of sharing. And undoubtedly, our feeding of the 5,000 passage today, within the context of great uh, poverty among the poor in first century Palestine, there is a profoundly socioeconomic aspect to the gospel reading, which should not uh, be overlooked. However, John goes further later in chapter six and explicitly says that the bread Jesus offers also provide spiritual or soul food. Jesus' words, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. 
again expressing a theology of abundance, which comes from a deep belief that God's provision is an infinite source of love and grace, if only we could trust it. We think in terms of finite sources, but God's love and grace is infinite. And you can see Paul in our first Ephesians passage wanting us to grasp this infinite source of love and grace. And if you read that, if you, if we, I'm, I'm going to read part of that again. And just think of the spirit of abundance that, that is within uh, this passage. And it was aimed by Paul to stir up trust in God, to stir up daring, to stir up excitement among Paul's believers, uh, his hearers rather. So he says, I pray that out of God's glorious riches, God may strengthen you with power through God's spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's a sense of abundance just flowing. And I think this abundant worldview enlarges our vision and imagination of what is possible, both individually and as a community. And it encourages us to be more daring, to be willing to make, make mistakes and to fail, but also to be more generous, to be more inclusive and to be more outward looking. Believing in the abundance of God's love and grace inspires sharing, collaboration, and contribution. It helps us to be more creative, enabling us to see that there is often more than one way to solve a, a problem. There's a variety of creative ways to look at a situation. And the miracle story of the feeding of the 5,000 was not worked from nothing, but from a first modest sharing of what was available. God works with us rather than above us, using what there is. And in this case, five loaves and two fishes. And then God multiplies this small act of love and generosity. And it seems to me that Jesus is inviting us to a life of multiplication. He does not wish us to remain doing nothing, even when we feel we have insufficient resources and feel inadequate. Jesus asks us for daring and trust and to do what we can, not to admit any human means that are available to us, but at the same time to trust that our small efforts will be increased. Andrew starts the process of giving Jesus what was available and Jesus was able to feed 5,000 people and still have something left, a worldview of abundance. And many of us at this time, uh, coming out of COVID, feel inadequate, fearful of the challenges we face, 
overwhelmed by the nature of the task ahead. I certainly do. And this story encourages us to risk offering whatever little we have to Jesus, whether it be time, a particular gift, an idea, a ministry of prayer, financial gifting, whatever it is, let us offer what seems insignificant, in particular in a world with insurmountable problems like the environmental crisis. It feels we, we can't do anything about it, but let us offer what little we have and let Christ bless it so that we can aim to share it generously, trusting that God will multiply our small offerings. This is the economy of the kingdom, one of abundance and multiplying whatever we give. And of course, this resonates with the Eucharist where we take the bread, we bless it, give thanks for it, we break it in pieces and we share it amongst each other. God takes, blesses, breaks and shares. So this morning, let us believe and dare to believe that God can take our small offerings and do immeasurably more than all we imagine and all we ask, according to his power that is a work in us individually, but also as a community. Amen. So we now come to a time of prayer. And when I say, Lord, in your mercy, if you could respond, hear our prayer. Loving God, we thank you that you are a God of immense creativity and abundance. And we thank you for our wonderful, beautiful world. And we pray this morning for the torn fabric of this world and the beautiful, diverse ecosystems which are crying out for healing. We pray for all those areas throughout our world affected by global warming and pollution. And then in our hearts, as we name those places that we see in the news affected, may all those who are suffering receive the help that they need. But also increase our collective awareness and the awareness of governments throughout our world of the urgent need to respond to this environmental crisis. And Creator God, we also pray for our broken and unequal world, which is crying out for justice. And we remember all those who lack adequate food, clean water, housing, medical care, all the basic necessities of life. And again, we pray that our world would be more compassionate and learn to share and be more generous. And we pray for the world's trouble spots, which cry out for peace. We remember all the victims of war and violence all the minorities suffering persecution and oppression. And we pray for all those striving for peace with justice 
and those working to help and support victims in these dangerous areas. And we pray for all those who have been forced out of their countries, the dispossessed who cry out in grief for the loss of their homeland. May they be received by other countries with empathy, warmth, hospitality, and practical help. And we also remember the homeless and rootless in our own country, city, and local area. Lord, in your mercy, we pray for our church and church worldwide. God, lover of justice and peace, may your church regain its prophetic voice and not only stand beside the poor, the dispossessed and the oppressed, but be their voice, challenging the causes of inequality and injustice, speaking truth to power and enabling those without a voice to regain agency in their lives. We pray for our community, help us to use the creativity and gifts that we have to be a force for good in our work, in our lives, and in our local community. Give us the abundant worldview that Jesus and Paul had, so that we may have the courage to take risks, share what we have with others, trusting in your power to multiply our offerings, enlarge our vision, and guide us as we emerge from lockdown. Lord, in your mercy, and finally, in a short time of quiet, we pray in our hearts for those who are close to us, who are struggling in any way, whether through sickness, anxiety, or loss of any kind, and we lift them to you. And we pray and ask for your healing touch on their body, mind and soul, and ask that they would have a real sense of your presence in their lives. Lord, in your mercy. Just to end with a fourfold Franciscan blessing, which is really a prayer. May God bless us with the discomfort of easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships, so that we may live deep within our hearts. And may God bless us with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people, so that we may work for justice, freedom, and peace. And may God bless us with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and war, so that we may reach out our hand to comfort them and turn their pain to joy. And may God bless us with enough foolishness to believe that we can make a difference in this world, so that we can do what others claim cannot be done. Amen. Amen.